The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey guys, Travis here from the show. Please indulge me for about 60 seconds so you can learn a little bit about our Patreon page. Patreon is a website that allows you to support us with tiny donations each month, like you would do with payments with Netflix or Hulu. We put out Washington Throne for free and dedicate lots of time to it outside of our full-time jobs. So any little bit helps us out. The ultimate goal is to make the show our full-time jobs and really focus on dropping music knowledge on you guys at an annoying rate. Uh, we have plans to establish a Kanye clothing line, obtain people close to Kanye for interviews, and even do more analysis on our website if we have the resources to do so. So if you would like to donate as little as $1 a month, head to patreon.com slash Kanye podcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Kanye podcast and sign up. We have goals and rewards set up for everyone who donates, which will be our way of repaying you eventually. Thank you so much and stay wavy. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert, and today we are doing a story with Joe Perez. Uh, Joe, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, I was uh, art director and designer at uh, Kanye West Studio Donda for the for eight years, um, basically right from uh, after graduation to right after Pablo and uh, everything that uh, happened in between uh, was, uh, uh, you know, I was in the right place at the right time to be able to work (laughs) on all these amazing projects with Virgil and Heron and and Kanye. So (laughs) it's a little background. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely (laughs) working in a period of, on projects that really have shaped music and pop culture of today. Yeah, I mean, thinking about that, like the weight of that, I, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I look at, I look back at it, and like, wow, I had a lot of fun. I mean, some of these projects were very painful, and it, it really kind of empowered me as a creative. But overall, it's just like I understand the impact that it had, but um, I, I never really outright kind of take credit for all of it. But it was fun to be a part of that moment in time. It must uh, sometimes feel like such a disconnect between the legacy of that work and you having the perception of what it actually was. And it was just like, well, we did this and it was done and then we moved on to the next thing. But then to hear the response about those things for years and years after. Yeah, I mean, that's the the reward of all the sleepless nights and then, you know, staying up and, and talking back and forth with with Virgil or Kanye about ideas and different colors and, you know, pieces that could be improved in, in certain projects. So, yeah, I mean, at the moment I was just, you're just trying to survive, <laughs> because <laughs> you know, you're in this creative stint where you're just producing, 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 and you don't have a time to let it sit with you. So years later, it's like, oh, cool. It actually had an impact and inspired people. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of this, this, and this, and I've learned a lot. And I can take it and move forward. I, you know, as you're describing that, two different images come to mind. Uh, Hemingway had talked about how artists need to have ink in the well, right? To where in a day you shouldn't necessarily empty out all the, all the ink because if you do, then it takes a while to come back. You may not have anything for tomorrow or the next day. But there's also the image of honing the, honing the blade, right? And if you keep working, you keep honing that sharpness. And yeah, it sounds like, yeah, in the environment you were in, uh, you were kept sharp. Yeah, I mean, our our drill was, 
I mean, our well was bottomless. It had to be it, um, just because and I felt like our, our, our wells were constantly, you know, not just being depleted, but I mean, um, just constantly filled by this massive creative force that was Kanye West. <laughs> so, I mean, we fed off of that energy, which was practically never ending. It was just always on. I don't know how the, the guy didn't never slept. I mean, he was, uh, you know, somebody I looked up to as far as work ethic and, and just uh, creative force of nature. Um, so I think we all fed off that and we kept going, even though <laughs> I think a a lot of other people might, may have burnt out in other situations, but with that kind of guiding light, um, I was fortunate enough to have that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, again, when you're working on a project for 16 hours a day for three months straight, obviously your, your blade is going to get a lot sharper. You're going to learn a lot of new skills that you can, you can put back in your, uh, your, your, your palette for next time and, and uh, move forward and be a stronger creative and, and artist. Man, I'm just imagining what that time period had to have been like for you. Uh, in the in the early days, before you got started with uh, curating the blogs, um, that was right after college dropout and late registration. What uh, had you been listening to Kanye's music leading up to that, or was he just kind of uh, a pop culture figure you had heard of? Yeah, I had been listening to Ye. I mean, it was funny. I mean, there was a lot going on in my life personally, and then I moved back. From uh, from Los Angeles to Rhode Island, and and uh, I listened to a lot of radio back then. I don't know why. I even though I had an iPod, but um, you know, like Jesus Walks was constantly on. And I pulled my car over one day, and I was just kind of in a bad place. And I was like, you know what? It'd be really, really dope to work for this guy. I don't. Know how <laughs> I, I just put it out there in the universe. And, and what's nuts is like I didn't have any connection to him at that time. And then three years later, I find myself working working for him, which was kind of bizarre to me. Um, but yeah, I was a huge fan before, before I started working with him. And then I took control of the, uh, his blog, Kanye University in 2008, May of 2008. And that was right after, um, the graduation had come out. And, uh, primarily our, our mission was to, I guess, uh, inspire and bring art and this knowledge that, uh, we both had in, in, in art school and bring that to the masses. And, um, kind of inspire everybody else with like the best of the best in architecture, fashion, design, music, uh, car design, um, a little bit of everything. And then, you know, fill it, he filtered everything through him and I went out and, uh, kind of found all the material that, uh, he would post or not post. Um, but either way, it, you know, a lot of it, a lot, a lot came from that. I mean, he actually ended up working with some of the artists that we found and careers I heard had been launched. <laughs> so, <laughs> It definitely had an impact, and uh, you know, people to this day just come up to me and say, "Hey, that that blog really inspired me." So, all the sleep again, all the sleepless nights paid off, and I felt like I did my job. That's a. Uh, I actually interviewed a filmmaker, Fetty Alvarez, um, who did the movie "Don't Breathe" and the. Uh, what's the movie called? Not Dawn of the Dead. Um, where they go to the cabin in the woods and they find the. Chromicon. Oh, the Evil Dead? Evil Dead, thank you. Uh, the Evil Dead remake. And he said that his what got him noticed was a short film that he made that yeah. got onto the Kanye block. Woo! <laughs> yeah. uh, I expect to be on his next movie set. <laughs> Give me a bit part. That's right. Hit him up. Be like, Fetty, guess who? Yeah. Guess who? <laughs> Put me in the background somewhere. I get killed first. I'm, do I'm done down with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you see that very well-dressed man that got killed? Like, what, <laughs> what was he wearing? Uh, no, that's sick. I mean, that means everything to me. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got excited because I was like, Fetty, what do you think about Kanye? Have you listened to Kanye? And he's just like, no. And I was like, well, okay. But... <laughs> I mean, that's what I think. I, yeah, a few people said that to me because I just find their work and post it. And then they get all this press or... Um, you know, all this attention or what, what have you. And then they'd, they'd start following <laughs> for real, you know, and then they'd realize what we were kind of doing with that moment in time. And that was, that was like the same time that people were figuring out, you know, I can use my Tumblr as a source of inspiration and start curating stuff. So I think he, he kind of led the way in, in that arena. Yeah. I mean, curation, especially in film, uh, has become such a big buzzword, especially for like film streaming platforms. We need oh to curate God. content, and I'm sure it's that way in other 
realms of the art world, but it seems you and Kanye were ahead of the curve when it came to that. I mean, yeah, I mean, with his second blog, with the uh, the gallery blog, everything was in frames. And, uh, you know, sometimes it'd be 100 pictures. So I'd be in Photoshop framing 100 pictures. And then obviously every piece of content was was he was so intensely involved in just picking and how it was stacked and that, with the order and and um, each page of that gallery blog. I mean, that was kind of like the baby for a while of just what inspired him and him sharing that with the rest of the world. So I think that blog was like very, very important for his next uh, step to evolution. Yeah, because you're uh, at this time uh, a young a young artist who's has ideas of what he wants to do, can do potentially, but this is getting to work with somebody that's on that next level. What was this doing for you and your view of how to be a professional or how to be a creative or? Well, I mean, at the, at the time of the blogs, I, I felt like I had gone back to art school and then started studying everything that <laughs> yeah, I started studying every major at once. Um, <laughs> that, that's what I was researching every day. So my, my, uh, uh, just knowledge base just grew by leaps and bounds. So I, I feel like I became more of a refined artist. I understood what excellence at a higher level through architecture, interior design, furniture design, car design, industrial design, basically. So I, I took all this knowledge and it really influenced like the, my output as an artist, as a commercial designer. Um, and I hadn't, I, if I hadn't had that background with the blogs, I, I would have been a completely different artist, I think, just because, um, I mean, you can say you do research every day, but when something forces you to look at thousands of images on a daily basis of the best of the best, then it starts to definitely have an impact on you, just on a, on a really like basic level. Well, and it sounds like, too, it wasn't just you having to gather, right? It's not like you just, hey, I have this, but you had to have reasons behind things. You had to have your own thoughts formulated. You had oh, yeah. To have, yeah, <laughs> conversation. Had I, not, had I not gone to a design school or, you know, a great design school like Art Center in Pasadena, like, I mean, I wouldn't even have the background to understand what, what good design is. And my father was an industrial designer. My mother was a sculptor. So, I mean, I, I grew up within a, a creative world. So it's just, I had that background to go out and be able to search stuff and understand like, that's, that's amazing. This is avant-garde. Like this needs to be on the blog. People need to see this. So obviously you need to have an eye coming into this, um, or, or you just wouldn't have, you know, lasted within this realm too long. And before me, I know, you know, there were a few other bloggers and they, you know, they did all right, but you really needed somebody that understood what, what good design was. So, I mean, I think we both lucked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you found each other, right place, yeah. right time. Um, what a, Do you feel that those, because as much as that was uh, going to school for you, it seems like it was probably a very, um, and broadening is not a word, but like broadening experience for, for Kanye as an artist as well. Do you think um, that that went on yeah. to shape his albums that followed? I mean, I'm pretty sure it, it influenced every, you know, all of us within the camp. I mean, it was talked about a lot, and uh, a lot of the references that you know we found went into references for for the projects themselves. And uh, I mean, I, I, off you know, off off the screen of the blog, I mean, I was I was going to the RISD library every day here on the East Coast in Rhode Island and and pulling references that we didn't use on the blog. So it, it you know, it kind of just it went from blogging and. And then my role went into more research for the projects just because I, you know, I was able to acquire so many reference images in such a short amount of time. I mean, I mean it was like, who else would be doing <laughs> the majority <laughs> of the research that would have access to one of the largest uh, art libraries in the East Coast? So it just that just made sense as a progression for me. So at the same time I was blogging, I was doing other scans and reference polls um, for Kanye. But yeah, I mean, it, it obviously impacted all of us from a from a tastemaker level for sure. Uh, I, I feel like it's, uh, almost Brad Pitt and, uh, Edward Norton before fight club and post fight club where they just have like a different view and of the world <laughs> at large as they're walking around. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that, you know, it's like you, you wake it's yeah. It's like that movie with uh, Bradley Cooper. What is, what's that? Um, um, uh, what Lim you, 
You know, it's like one day it's like you, you, like you pop a pill and you wake up the next day and everything is in crystal clarity. It's like, yeah, you have all this knowledge and then more, more light and more, you know, it's more like a year later you wake up and you completely see shit differently. You know, you're like, oh, that, that's a good design. That's fucking horrible. But I, you know, I, would, I would like a year ago, I might would I might have thought of that. That was OK, but that's fucking horrible. So, I mean, you definitely your opinions grow as well after you get exposed to vast amounts of, of design and, and just you know, imagery at the best of the best. I just, I picture like a, a movie scene where it cuts to you, like waking up and looking around your, your home. And then it cuts to all the things you own, like on the sidewalk by the, by the garbage can. No, literally I did that. Like I started the blogs and I had an apartment and then a year after I started the blogs, I moved to another one and I, I designed it with, I spent a lot of money on furniture and a lot of it came from Italy <laughs> and it was very modern. So it, <laughs> I completely redesigned my interior of my apartment and it was like this modern like it was just amazing it was all white <laughs> was was like in, in the back of your head or you're kind of like I need to I need to have an apartment that if Kanye comes and visits he's gonna be like this is a this is a good apartment yeah I mean I just knew what in great interior design was and I, I knew all the uh, designers of furniture and I was just like okay I'm gonna go to why lighting on dot com and, and buy this like Mobius like weird light that's gonna like be in this corner of my room and I'll fit with everything so yeah I mean it just added up to you know the taste level going sky high and you know that was uh, it, it was it's a good thing <laughs> well so the uh, you moved into more of the music side of things with the Cruel Summer cover art, right? Correct. Before that, it was um, I helped out on the Good Friday tracks as well. That's right. And that was at that time I started doing other single art for for local artists here in Rhode Island. And then uh, the more the more and more I designed for Inside Donda, I think the more and more that Virgil and Kanye got comfortable, and more more work started hitting my plate. And then out of nowhere. I got a call saying, hey, you're going to be doing Cruel Summer for my art director, Guido. And I was like, oh, okay, sick. <laughs> can't, can't wait to start. Had no idea what it was or what the music was going to be like or, or anything, um, really. Uh, but we just got like, um, I think, three or four images that uh, Fabian had taken in, in Italy of uh, interiors and ceiling, ceiling sculptures. So we, that was a directive, you know, so we, we started playing around with these images and, uh, you know, 200 covers later, uh, we had a cover, but it <laughs> took that, it took that many to, to figure out, you know, what I guess was speaking to Kanye and, and inspiring about the time. And then I heard from an interview, read in an interview later that he actually referenced the cover art that, you know, and built some of the songs from the inspiration of the cover art, which is, which is awesome because that's kind of a reversal. <laughs> yeah, typically that comes more at the end of things, right? Yeah, typically you have like, you know, somebody from the label calls you and it's like, hey, bro, you got like two days to design a cover. You stoked? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or yeah, or like we gave it to somebody else and they didn't do a good job and you have like 12 hours. So I'm like, all right. But this time it was more, you know, Kanye always believed in the, in the process of, um, allotting a certain amount of time because he wanted everything on the on the same level like the visuals had to had to um be on the same level as the the, the audio the sonics um you know the, the whole presentation was important not just one piece of it so he understood that this was his life's work and he wanted every piece of it to be at the highest level possible so it sounds like in that respect a lot of things were going on simultaneously rather than linearly yeah i mean there were always a thousand different projects going on at once so i mean it was like you're on you're constantly jumping from timeline to timeline so i mean yeah sometimes the linear you know like three chapter a uh, three act structure of of you know a project would you know be completely turned on its head and you'd be uh, act three and going backwards kind of like memento the movie <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure it out as you go you're like what's going on <laughs> I, I i can understand how logistically that might be less like someone might argue that's less efficient or um uh, crazier more burdensome but when it comes to inspiring yeah, and they're unity, probably in advertising <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, whoever says that's an advertising because, I mean, that's when you get to a, like 
that's more commercial. I mean, when you're dealing with a true artist and, you know, the way they operate, I mean, you're, you're dealing with their process, their, their time, you know, how they're dealing with a, a project. And it's just, you have to treat every, every piece of art as a special moment in time. And regardless of the processes, you just have to, you have to go with it. And honestly, if it feels like it's backwards, you might learn something new. You might have, you may, may learn how to read the alphabet in reverse. And then that way it's just like, it creates a stronger process from when you go back and you do have more of a linear structure, like, oh, this is going to be easy, you know? But <laughs> I think that keeps it, keeps a project fresh and always waking up with new challenges every day. I mean, that's what makes a job fun and, and not stale and, and different from any other corporate desk job that one might, one might get as a commercial artist. And uh, that actually resonates. There's a book called uh, The Talent Code that looks at the neuroscience behind acquiring skill. And they talk about that musicians that chop up sheet music and pull from the hats and just play randomly end up learning the actual piece much better than somebody that just tries playing it uh, linearly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's how I felt. I mean, when we... I got to a certain point after doing, after working on so many album covers where it didn't matter what piece we were working on and what part, if it was the interior first versus the cover, it's just, um, you know, we, we had an overall vision. And I think by the three years in, around like 2014, 15, I, I could do a project backwards and forwards. It didn't matter. It, it's very it's very much like shooting a film. It's just like you sh- most films are shot out of sequence, just based on location or, or days or what have you. So um, my background is film so and, and editing. So from that regard, I felt, again, it's like uh, I took what I learned at school and kind of brought it forward and understood that this was just a bigger, you know, narrative. It doesn't, didn't matter if I was creating graphics or art for an album. Um, it's still a small piece of representing a, a larger story. So I felt like I could kind of work in anything at any time. It just, yeah, I mean, w- working with Kanye and his process was, uh, again, um, momentous as far as just learning and, and very challenging, but that's, that's what it should be. I mean, nothing should be easy, especially if you're creating art because I mean easy in the fact that I mean you should always be striving to learn something about yourself at every time you create yeah if, if you're not that would be that would be scary right <laughs> well you'd just be a robot and uh, you'd be making pretty pretty art and uh, there's a lot of people out there that do that yeah uh, well the good Fridays you did the the single art that that black and red uh, correct yeah I mean I worked on I worked on that with Virgil that was uh, yeah, <laughs> that was. I'm pretty sure that was Virgil and Kanye, and then uh, you know I, I worked on a lot of the um, um, Good Fridays uh, past like the first three, and uh, and then we worked on uh, like New God Flow and uh, Mercy, and then that went into Cruel Summer. <laughs> that uh, I most Kanye fans that I talked to, and a lot of the stories that we've done, the Good Fridays comes up a lot as just. A time period with a lot of Kanye fans where they look back on so fondly yeah it was exciting I mean the fact that you got new music maybe every Friday <laughs> <laughs> or at least every week um, it was it gave it gave people something to look forward to and plus I mean it was just heat I mean everybody got like like tracks that were amazing it wasn't just like you know Drake dropping something like he made in a night you know at his crib or whatever it was things that you know Kanye put a lot of time and, and effort into and, and they're just beautiful tracks so um I mean I, I was looking forward to it as, as a fan so it's funny when you're working on this and then you're also you know you, you have some level of fandom it's just like you're also excited and you want to hear the music as much as everybody else and the funny thing is I never I never got to hear the tracks because you know they were working on them up until literally a minute before they released them and then they'd give them to me and then they'd go up on the blogs or how, however else we released them at that time. <laughs> so you spend like an 18 hour day working on all these like Kanye related things and then get home and you're like, well now I'm going to listen to this Kanye music. Yeah. I would hear it maybe like a few minutes before everybody else did, <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. <laughs> uh, do you have a, do you have a favorite of the good Fridays? Um, man, I mean, New Godflow, honestly. That was my favorite for, you know, within that area. Era. New Godflow is, uh, 
is a great one. The fact that it just keeps going and you're like, this is still going and it's still awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was the Good Fridays before Cruel Summer. I think you were referring to the Good Fridays before um, Dark Twisted Fantasy, right? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yep. I sometimes forget that there were... Yeah, he, he tried, you know, there was like multiple, I think the last time was he tried to do it with Pablo and that was... Uh, yeah. yeah, we got like three. <laughs> yeah, we got we got three, but I mean they're still going. Mm. Okay, so cruel summer work, and then uh, and then you go cruel summer into some Misa stuff. Yeah, I mean it was cruel summer into Aesop Rocky. That's right, and that was uh, that was with Virgil and I, and uh, I don't think a lot of people know this, but that was outside of Donda. Mm. So that was actually not a Donda project. And, uh, yeah, Virgil hit me up and, and um, asked me to art direct and design uh, Rocky's kind of debut cover there um, with him on a label. And, uh, yeah, I mean, luckily we had as much time that we did on Cruel Summer. We had three months on Cruel Summer and two months on Aesop Rocky. So with that amount of time, you could really produce a lot of art and flush out concepts to the fullest extent and that's why the packaging packaging on that album just it's like one of my favorites because i had all this time where i could just you know let loose and i'm like all right i'm gonna make this look like a you know a real fbi cia cia um uh redact you know redacted document and uh, do something a lot of like really fun with it but um yeah i mean that was a great project and that lasted for another two months and i felt like we went right from that into doing a, a bait collab with donda um for their 20th anniversary and then we did uh and then we did little wayne <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were going into these other projects did it feel like kind of like going from a, a dream state to kind of like working on something else and being like oh i know kung fu like that kind of just yeah, very empowering. Was def I mean, after each project, there was a period of depression, <laughs> which I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't ready for, especially after Cruel Summer, because you were on such a high of every day waking up at like like nine, and then and then maybe not even sleeping that night, and then working, you know, twenty four hours or whatever, like sixteen hours a day. And then after it ended, you were just like, what? What's next? Like, what? <laughs> what am I doing? Like, I'm doing nothing right now. And then you're you you're. I don't whatever happened it's like you go into this like postpartum depression where it's like you want to keep working but you're just on break and you're like you feel so down um it, it was really hard to explain and I never experienced anything like that before so a lot of these projects after they ended it kind of like you go through a down period and before you go back up and you get on another project but um, after cruel summer that didn't really happen too too many times because there were there were no down periods it was mostly <laughs> project after project and um multiple projects at once so it was like yeah it was a little wayne and and then and um i think the good music website went up at that time and then two chains album and then yeah then it was Jesus. or like Jesus was around the same time as like little wayne like right after little wayne and so what was it like for you having worked so much with kanye and then doing those other projects and then coming back to more of a kanye project um, did it feel different for you as an artist? Did it feel no different? No different. I mean, I was working with like the Aesop Rocky, I was working with Virgil. So it literally felt like I didn't miss a step at all because we had this rapport and we understood each other and creatively. So I was able to get inside his mind and, and execute exactly what he wanted based off, based off our conversations. So yeah, not, uh, not a step off, but I mean, that was one of the only few outside projects I had time to work on. Um, and then the next like five years after that was just all Donda. <laughs> so until we got to like Nikki's pink print. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. But, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about Yeezus. <laughs> yeah, please. We're, uh, we're big Yeezus advocates. Like we're currently writing a, a Yeezus book and, uh, talk about Yeezus a lot. So uh, all Yeezus info that you want to drop, we're uh, keen to hear. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, it was a process like, I mean, I think we started with the process and we had a lot of, as you can see, the first cover hit the internet and it had, I think, a George Kondo sculpture on it and had the red tape that wasn't the final red tape. So, I mean, again, it was just a thousand iterations and covers to get up to that point um, where it made 
sense that it mirrored the, the what the visuals i mean what the audio was which were really stripped down kind of raw songs um so uh, the same approach was taking taken with the album you know it's like what's what's everything that take, people take for granted and, and what's the uh, the base structure of any album release and that's the packaging so you know after a while i think the process went you know where it's just like got, got stripped down and got stripped down and it was really kind of like this raw moment in time um and the music itself is very it was you know very abrasive so i mean i think when people saw the album the, the funniest story i have is when i went to target to I always went to Target every time there was an album release. <laughs> I bought it, and there was these two Target employees standing in front of this rack of just like Yeezus albums right out front because it just come out. And the girl, and one girl, girl goes to the guy. He's like, she's like, what is that? Did somebody forget the art in the album. And the guy's like, nah, it's Kanye's new album. She's like, man, I wouldn't pay for that. <laughs> I feel like awesome there's no art on it. And then I'm like, I'm literally standing behind him. I'm like, hey, I worked on that. <laughs> <And they looked laughs> it. It's like. I go up and I grab like four of them. I'm like, I'm buying four. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, conceptually it's, it's such a conceptual album. And, uh, I think a lot of people looked at it in, in so many different ways. And I know a lot of people have a love hate relationship with the album. Like it's my favorite Kanye album, like that. And then dark twisted fantasy is, is right underneath. But I think Jesus was, more than five years ahead of its time and i think yes. i think people will appreciate it in the decades to come as probably one of the the, the classic albums that you know here comes his genius and he's going to set the bar so high that people don't understand what he's doing it's uh you know we started the podcast two and a half years ago and i think in that time that we've been more and more active with you know kanye community kanye fans we've definitely started to see that turn happen with the appreciation of Jesus. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I remember seeing Virgil speak at RISD and I mean, it was also him and him and yay working on this cover or the packaging as well. And uh, you know, it, it felt like, what do you do after that? Where you don't have, you know, you've stripped everything down, you've taken off everything uh, from the cover and it's just like, it felt so pristine and beautiful and like the perfect you know concept for the for the album and uh it's like what what do you do next <laughs> it's like really the, really the question because that's like almost it feels like the pinnacle of like this is you know this is clean design like this is what we, donda was striving for all along and here we are and so what's the next step after that i think you know it took us all going going into the tank and i think taking some time to, to figure out what the next move was and that next move uh ended up being pablo yeah it was uh <laughs> um i mean there was a lot that came up before that i mean it was um um yeah i mean his, his song with rihanna and paul mccartney and, and uh, uh four or five yeah. yeah you know and then uh you know only one which was a beautiful song still will randomly make me cry yeah, I mean, I think that's one of his great songs. So um, I think it's like little pieces, and then and then um, he was featured on You Mad. But yeah, I mean, he was he was pretty busy within that that time period leading up to Pablo. But uh, yeah, I feel like culture had shifted so much from even Jesus into into what Pablo was. So I think it was more about, I guess, realigning oneself with what was happening in culture, and then you know coming out with an album that um, reflected that. So did you, did you find yourself yearning for the library of just like, I need to go and get photos. But I guess if you're looking at like current culture, you're not going to the library at that point, you're going Instagram, you're going Snapchat, you're going out on the sidewalk. Yeah. I mean, at that, at that point in time, I'd moved to California and I was working out of the office in Calabasas. So I was, I was there pretty much every day within within the studio of Pablo, whether it was in LA or New York. And um, yeah, it was definitely more influenced by what was going on on the street and um, how other people were releasing music and like what what's the next kind of wave of 
having people involved in the process. So I, I think what you saw there, which was kind of like nobody else had done to, up until that point, and again, like a genius comes out, it's just he basically created an album in real time in front of everybody. It's like he put it out, it wasn't done, re-updated it, you, you know, he made it better, and it was constantly evolving, even though it had already been out. So, I mean, really, it's kind of like, <laughs> it kind of, it's kind of the next step because things are moving so quickly and people are so content-driven and hungry. It's like you know why not release something while it's a work in progress and you're kind of giving somebody partial ownership because they get to see the process of you working and updating something at the same time so it's kind of like a window into the creative process which i thought was really <laughs> it was i hadn't seen it you know done at that level <laughs> it's it's a there's some conversations sometimes that are crazy to me that people will say that because we often make an argument about there being concepts on Kanye albums, graduation, my beautiful directress, fantasy, Yeezus, the life of Pablo. And there are people that in talking about the life of Pablo say that the pre-release stuff, like seeing the changing track list um, is evidence that there's no like structure behind the life of Pablo. And I'm like, well, typically in art, like when you're making art, things are chaotic. You are moving things around up until the last minute. That doesn't mean it's without intention or a concept. It's just really is uh, a lot of chaos. Yeah. I mean, just as a, a person, as an artist, I mean, you're constantly evolving. You're going to be working differently at the age of 20 than you are at the age of 30 and the age of 40. I mean, it's just um, every time you know, I can only speak from my own experience, but I can only imagine like <clears throat> you can only go in and, and cut, cut songs so many ways before it, again, it, it gets boring. So, I mean, the idea of, of this process always evolving and changing and throwing new challenges, even fr in front of yourself, just for the sake of creating good art. I think that's what a lot of people saw. You know, I think that <clears throat> this was a new process of, of doing things. And I think that culture this culture of content hungry, you know, now, now, now I need this new track. When is it dropping? Like culture is pushing art and music to a level where, you know, people are releasing stuff before it's finished and letting people know it's like, oh, it's going to be evolving or you can experience this or, you know, we're going to do a pop-up shop and actually create stuff like what Virgil's doing now with the campus. You know, it's more about the, the viewing of the creation of it rather than a final product. So... I mean, I, I, I to, to talk to get back to the original question, it's just like, yeah, was was there a, you know, a set process and structure to it? It's just like, I think the idea of structure is being rethought right now. And I think, you know, how we live and how we consume products and music and entertainment, that all has an influence in what's going on with the restructuring. So, I mean, I, I, I would argue against that in that way. I think the new structure is is kind of unstructured. <laughs> and I think great art can come from that. And I think it's been very rigid in the past. And I, I think we're rethinking that now. And, and honestly, I, I see that conversation happening in, in, in tech and in, in our education system. It's just like everything is being rethought. It's like, I mean, even with, with tech and autonomous, everything taking over in about 15 years, like, education's gonna have to change and be restructured or everything's gonna fall apart because we're basically still educating kids for to work in the industrial revolution and here it is like you know 2018 right here's how you balance a checkbook and you're like what yeah, exactly so yeah my argument's always always against that i think there there is structure within chaos when you're a creative yeah because it's 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 finding it's finding the thing that you're searching for, but that doesn't mean you don't have anything that you're kind of searching for. Correct. I mean, you can like myself, like I can wake up every day and I can be really inspired to sit down and, and, and do work. And then other days I just, I don't want to go for a walk and not see my computer for a week. So <laughs> it's the same way when you're creating an album, you know, some days you're, you're in there and you're creating, you, you love it and you feel it and you have all these ideas. And, you know, some days you're, you're just burnt and, you know, you need a little bit of a break and, you're, you're still forcing yourself to do work. So, I mean, I think the structure should be a lot more free flowing now. And I think it should be opened up with like an open platform for everybody else so they can, again, have ownership over this creation because now it's like, I mean, physical packaging is, is pretty much disappeared. So all, and there's so many gaps now. So it's like, what's, 
what can fans or, or music listeners, you know, grab a hold of? It's like, yeah, merch. And then also it's, it'd be nice to be involved with this creative process. So I feel closer to my favorite artists. Yeah. That, uh, that notepad, when all the notepad stuff was dropping, uh, it, that seemed like a good tease of what the album would end up being and doing in terms of having this, uh, evolution and the fans getting to be part of it and speculate on it and, be swept up in it yeah um i mean the notepad was just uh again it's like it was a i think it was a happy mistake everybody came in and uh signed this notepad and by the end it was like this graffiti wall you know and then then at some point it disappeared and i think they they found it but (laughs) the fact that it disappeared for a minute people got luckily we all got pictures of it including myself but but yeah i mean that kind of just is like a nice little tease and preview of just like, who's going to be on this. And we, we turned that into merch, which I, I thought was a, a brilliant idea. Yeah. And, um, I see other people, um, stealing that idea and I, I see it being reused with other people cutting their albums now, which is kind of fun. It's definitely, uh, so much of the things that have gone into Kanye albums have gone on to, and not be repeated necessarily by Kanye, but then go out and have like, impact on the world yeah like a hundred percent and uh and i think that's something to be spoken about it just you know kanye is a creative and i guess how he views the world and, and music and how he operates it's just he's he's got his own language he's on a next level and uh i haven't really worked with anybody or met anybody that's quite like him in that regard yeah, did you did you have uh, kind of this notion that like, oh, this must be what everybody's like, and then you go out and work on other <laughs> things, and you're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've met like other, uh, I've met successful directors, film directors, and other creatives and designers, and, you know, designers are so low-key, especially, you know, industrial designers are kind of quirky, but... But no, I, I've, I've never met anybody like Kanye, and I probably never will meet anybody like Kanye. Um, yeah, he's just he's just operating on so many levels at once. I, mean, I can only imagine if I was him, I would be bored with everybody around me <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's so far, you know, thinking in, and I, I you know, I, I can only imagine how frustrated he might, he must be talking about his ideas and if people don't get him. <laughs> I I remember watching an interview that he did and this guy says to him like, "You view yourself as an artist." And kind of just kind of stops and is like, "What? Like I am an artist. Do you not view me as an artist?" And yeah. the guy's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's very in the moment. He listens to everything that comes out of one's mouth. So if it's not in line or, you know, somebody's not really thinking about what they're saying, he definitely catches it instantly, even though it seems like he's not, you know, he's not listening or paying it. He's like, he's on it, you know? So a conversation to Kanye is, is, is everything. Yeah. Um, it, you mentioned merch. Um, it seems that with the Yeezus tour and then with the, the life of Pablo tour, there was, an insane escalation in how much people wanted merch and were engaging with that part of the tour and that part of the fandom. Um, is that something that stood out to you at the time? Is that something that surprised you or how are you, yeah. how are you feeling about that? And there was a huge explosion. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it started with Supreme and I mean, streetwear, you know, it, that had always been building up and, and bubbling to a like a crescendo point where you know kids were standing in line and on Fairfax and Los Angeles and across the world. But you know you have people like Jerry Lorenzo um, and myself. Like I mean, more Jerry because he's got a larger name with Fear of God designing. You know, working on Jesus merch and other Kanye merch, and then you have Virgil with Off White doing the same thing, and their brands you know reaching this fever pitch. So. I felt like at the Yeezus point, we kind of had this language going where merch was just as important as everything else and physical albums were fading away. So it was really this tangible product that fans could get their whole, uh, their hands on and, you know, say, I, I represent this artist, this artist inspires me, I'm going to wear their t-shirt, it means something special to me. So I think all those, you know, points coming in, um, and then Kanye, obviously, you know, starting to launch uh, Yeezy, 
and always being a fashion icon himself, it's like all, all <laughs> basically made a perfect storm of all these different people within mm -hmm. fashion streetwear coming together. And then, yeah, after that, Pablo exploded, you know, and, and also the fact it was such such a smart move for merch because I mean it was basically a meme that anybody could take and rip off and I've had people tell me like oh yeah I mean well, I met one guy and he's like yeah I made this rip off of the Pablo merch for LeBron like how you guys did for Kobe uh, Kobe <laughs> yeah Kobe and and uh, I think he made like a hundred grand or something, <laughs> or something something nuts you know I was like I was like oh my god so I mean everybody I, I had students from Yale Connecticut that were like oh yeah we used that you know, that style and that font for our, uh, our team, whatever t-shirt, you know, so everybody was making ripoffs and putting their own meanings within that. And it's funny because the, the creator of that, like Kelly DeWitt, like, I mean, that was his original intent. You know, he had this tombstone style that you could, you know, put phrases and meanings into, and, and he was kind of a master wordsmith in that regard. So we brought, we, you know, he came into the mix and, and helped us, um, kind of create the create these pieces for sure so i mean yeah i think he just won he was nominated for that design award with with kanye which is pretty amazing so the uh the memification of it if uh that's a word that's in our lexicon now um yes that was a i remember seeing an article about the album cover too that yeah uh the pablo album cover was initially something that people were like what and <laughs> but the 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 ability to craft it and recreate it in different ways and have it become this uh, pop culture thing was the real power of it. Yeah, and it really related to everybody. I mean, the question it asked was which one, and you know, it's like I, w I was in the studio the, during the the session where he wrote the line uh, "I feel like Pablo," and that kind of was such a huge spark and he, he, you know, it was, everybody understood that this was a moment where it was going to evolve and it eventually became the name of the album and became, you know, I feel like Pablo and on the merch and everything like that. And, uh, it was just, everybody was cracking up and it had such a good response. And then he, uh, he asked the question, he's like, that's perfect because it's like, which one are you Escobar <laughs> or <are> you <laughs> Picasso? You know, and it's just like, I'm both. And it's, <laughs> yes, yes, you are. You are both. Um, but I mean, everybody has a little bit of Escobar and everybody has a little bit of Picasso. You know, we're all artists. And at the same time, we're all, you know, we're all hustling and, and you know, <laughs> and, and doing, doing, you know, human shit, which isn't sometimes the best. So it's almost like, you know, you have, you have the, you have the angel of the devil on your shoulder, you know, but we have them both. So I think it's, uh, uh, it's a brilliant cover asking that question in that regard. But yeah, it's also a meme. I mean, you could put so many different things in there, you know, that pertain to you and your life and uh, make it more personal. And I think there is a few meme generators where they, you know, they wiped all the text and you can input your own text and, and save it out and shit like that. So I, when we saw that, um, it was, uh, you know, it's always, it's always a nice feeling. There was uh, just a food place, Lord of the Fries, <laughs> that uh, used it in their promotional material. So they have a, a, a bunch of potatoes in one picture and then a bunch of French fries in the other. And it's like, which one, which one, which one? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like got milk, you know. It's, it's a phrase that can be – you can throw it anywhere and it makes sense. <laughs> Um, um, however you want to sell things or, or just like things, you know, which one, <laughs> which one, it's, which, like, it's like face smash, <laughs> which one, <laughs> click. um, what, uh, so of the, you know, eight years of working on things in that arena of, uh, Kanye, which one has always stuck out to you as your, your favorite? Um, I mean, I, I, I keep going back to cruel summer i think in every interview and i think that i think it's been enough time where i've digested that project i say longer than the other ones so i keep going back to that because it was such a learning experience um as far as just how much time i put into a project and i realized how far i could push myself physically like, of course i'm i'm you know i'm, I'm older now so i probably wouldn't be able to push myself that <laughs> that hard any longer but i mean it was interesting 
to learn like this was my breaking point you know toward the end of the album physically I was, I was literally breaking down i had ice in my ankles and my elbows and my knees and i was working from bed my laptop because i spent so many hours sitting on the computer and uh wasn't wasn't smart enough to get a stand you know standing workstation but uh wow. yeah but i mean from a creative standpoint i i learned so much because we had a so many different challenges where i had to relearn tools that i'd forgotten in photoshop and um to you know do i think I, I think i worked on like 10 tutorials to figure out how to make things look like they're made out of stone and so <laughs> I, I keep going back to that where it was such a learning process about how how i create and what my breaking points are and learning on top of that so that was just kind of like a magical experience for me and very euphoric when i look back and it's just you know like like okay it's, I, this is what i'm made out of and after that i felt like i could pretty much accomplish or do anything i wasn't i guess before that i felt i think a, an artist always has a a sense you know, a little bit of insecurity you can't and call yourself an artist you know you're always afraid to put work out there and, and have people judge it or what have you. And, um, with that, I just felt like I, I it built a lot of confidence that, yeah, it, it doesn't matter what's thrown at me. It's, I could, I could do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, just, I've been through the fire. Yeah. It's just, just like, um, you know, the disaster artist. I don't care. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a damn good impression. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I saw Tommy here in Austin and <laughs> at a, a screening of the room oh my and God. he let people line up and do a Q and a before. Yeah. And, uh, you just got to ask one question. So I went down and I was like, Hey Tommy, what a, he's like, what's your name? I was like, Chris. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Chris, Chris. And I was like, what is, is that? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is that a bad name? So I was like, uh, who would you rather go on a date with John Travolta <laughs> or Nick Cage? Oh my god! And uh, he was just like, neither. <laughs> Next. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think getting back to like, like the, I mean, Tommy, and then yeah, insecurity. It's just like the insecurity of failure. I mean, you look at somebody like Tommy was so. It's like he failed <laughs> at a level that none of us will probably ever fail, but he turned it into like this gold. So really, failure is just it's a state of mind, and and really, it's about it's more about what you take out of it and learn. And a failure is just I don't know, it's just a word. I don't I don't believe in failure. <laughs> it's just a success that nobody else sees, you know, because it helps you in the long run. Hell yeah! Well, and, like the work that you've done since Cruel Summer, like the I always love the ASAP Rocky cover, like the pink print cover. I still like randomly stare at, I don't listen to the album a lot, but the cover art, whenever I see it, I just kind of stare at it for little bits of time. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, that was done. Um, I worked with a great team and, and Jenna Marsh, um, who was the art director on that, that cover, um, did an amazing job uh, with the photography. And, and, uh, we, we literally got a call from, you know, management saying that you have 24 hours to, you know, create a, a cover for Nikki. And uh, we had other options by other people, you know, and they didn't work out and we want to see what you can do. So yeah, we literally rented, you know, camera equipment, shot it and put it together in a day. And, uh, it was definitely things I would change because I wish I had more time, but uh, overall really happy with the result. And it's, it's in, billboards top 50 album covers of all time um in the lineup next to like watch the throne and abbey road and dark side of the moon so whatever we did <laughs> it worked <laughs> it did <laughs> it, was, it was more about creating this this icon and logo for who nikki was in this moment and i had been following her up until this point and i got a lot of great info from her team of what this album meant and and this moment that she was she was leading up to and creating so I think we took all this information and, and we made, you know, like a logo and a stamp for her that's very iconic that she was able to put on, you know, drum sets or any other product to translate. And when you saw it, you understood it was her and uh, only her. I like that. I like that a lot. It's it makes me think, too, like you probably have such a an interesting view on a lot of these artists that are now part of the mainstream because just hearing their names back in the early days or hearing their 
music back in a time when they weren't necessarily who they are today. Yeah, I mean, I, I was following Nikki ever since the um, the Monster track. I just, um, I, I knew in my heart, I'm like, I'm, yeah, going to be huge. Um, she's a she's a performer. She's a powerhouse. She's got a lot to say, and she's going to be a staple. So, I mean, I've definitely, I've seen artists come and and, and rise up, and I understand for, for the reasons, you know. Same with Travis Scott. Um, I got to meet him, and I understand. I knew he was within the circle of good since, um, since he was 19 and, uh, you know, had, when he was working on, uh, like Owl Pharaoh and that projects. And I got to work, work with him back then as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people I've, I've seen kind of rise up. Um, and again, it's because they're, they're not only great musicians, they're, they're great performers. They have that, that thing that you can instantly, you know, you meet them, and you're like, all right, you're a star. <laughs> it's huge. Um, and it's, it's kind of like what, um, my old, my old assistant, uh, Brian Rivera, you know, he, he was fortunate enough to, uh, to link up with Post Malone before, before he was signed by a major label. And just, he was able to see it and be like, yep, this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you, you hear it and you see it and you, you, you take a risk and, and sometimes the risk pays off when you attach yourself to somebody. So I get a lot of emails from young designers that want to work in music. And the first thing I tell them, it's a hard gig the second time <laughs> just to make a living. And then the second thing I tell them, it's like, well, you should team up with somebody you really believe in that you think is going to you know break out, you know, that has that ability, that, that, that special it factor. Um, because I think that's important to link up with somebody and be there from the beginning to be able to, you know, work with them and evolve their look from an aesthetics, you know, point of view. So it's, uh, it's always good to be on a long journey with, with some artists. And that's you know, like the artists I work with in my wheelhouse. I've been, uh, I've been working with them on two or three albums now. Well, that's a uh, cool to get to see too. Cause it's not just that one and done onto the next one where it becomes very robotic, right? It's, it's something where like you get to build and develop and really, uh, soak in yeah, that mindset. That's, yeah, that's the goal. I mean, you want to be evolving with the artist, and uh, you you want a relationship. You know, it's it's basically like create creative friends. Like I trust you. It's like I, I love the music that you're creating, and then I trust you in my visuals, and let's work together. And then you start a rapport, and then the, you know the longer you work together, the the more you understand their process and their vision, and uh, really the end result just keeps getting stronger. With uh, speaking of performance, that made me think about you had said Yeezus was your was your favorite Kanye album. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going to get a flack for that, but I don't care. <laughs> not not from not from us and anybody that tries to give you flack for it, I will I will yell at. But um, what uh, did you get to experience the tour? Yeezus? Yeah. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I say that. Yeah, I mean, almost. I wish. I- in Jokingly, retrospect, but, yeah. I, I wish I had gone to more shows. <laughs> what about yourself? You went, right? I was supposed to go, but it was when the truck crashed. Um, so Ooh. I was supposed to see it in Minnesota. Oh, I remember that. Damn. And uh, never got to go. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, so I'm always very curious about <laughs> perspectives. About yeah, please, please <laughs> regale me. No, I saw, it, I saw it three times, and I wish I saw it, uh, you know seven honestly um i take that back i saw it four times i saw it twice in new york and in madison square and and those are my best memories of it and then i saw it in boston i saw it in connecticut but um yeah i mean it was such a powerful um, performance and and a live show as far as just um um presentation I, i had never been to a show with that sort of reverence presentation before in my life and I think everybody else realized that when they were there and they were in this presence of this, you know, of Kanye and, and this, this mountain and all this like biblical references and, and set up, it's just, I don't know, the energy, I'd never experienced anything like, like that except by Watch the Throne, you know, <laughs> but this was a completely different experience than Watch the Throne, but the energy was so much higher. And then again, you had people with the going nuts over the merch. And I think that's when the you know the the merch kind of boomed and people realized like this was the next wave and um the the cool thing about the the tour and the merch was you had such a like a heavy-handed show but i mean it was was excellent i mean i don't know how else to describe it um and then you had this tour merch that 
was kind of broke that up where it's like you had, you felt like you were going to church when you're a little bit, when you're watching the Jesus show. Um, and then the tour merch was the exact opposite where we had Wes Lang and, and, uh, a little bit more playful merch that was, <laughs> was, you know, broke that up and it wasn't, it complemented this heavy handedness a little bit better. And, uh, I think the two working together in tandem were, were just amazing um, and very, and that was thought out in the beginning. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still my favorite Kanye show to this day. I mean, I, I've been to grow the uh, glow in the dark as well. So <laughs> um, I, I kind of weigh it against everything. I mean, I love, I love the Pablo stage, but I mean, I mean, shit, nothing beats the mountain. <laughs> yeah, the mountain just seems like I'm somebody that likes uh, more maximalist kind of things. And that mountain is just something where I'm like, ah, oh, I wanted to experience that. <laughs> like, yeah, and that was, I mean, S. Devlin is just stage design. I mean, she's she's the top of the top. I mean, again, everything was working on multiple levels. You know, it was uh, the staging was done by Vanessa Beecroft, uh, the choreography, and um, I mean, everything was there to affect you on on psychological levels and and. You know whether it's the lights and the color and the movement and and um, then also from you know standpoint of a biblical level as well. There's so many different um, tie-ins to <laughs> tie-ins to religion and what it meant and very like rit- ritualistic. So I think a lot of it you know hit people at, at different levels that were ingrained you know through society. Um, so there was a lot to work through in that. So, I mean, it, it was a tour that I felt like stayed with me, like a good movie, like even after I left for, for weeks, months. And even to this day, I think about it and I, I, I look up videos of live performances from that show and I'm like, get re-inspired. That's awesome. It makes me think about how you know, with other Kanye tours, it was like visually pleasing, but it felt more in line with uh, what people expect from a tour, right? A guy on stage singing like with some cool background elements but the yeezus tour was this next level thing that was probably very much in line with the kanye that you knew from working with him but was probably surprising to a lot of the general public that didn't know that kanye had this like aesthetic hugeness in him well i mean every every tour that kanye did when it was just kanye they all had narrative it was all uh, like an uh you know, three act structure almost. Um, it was like going to see an opera. That's what it felt like. Even with glow in the dark. I mean, he was talking to his, uh, computer on his spaceship. So it was this whole story, storyline and narrative, uh, throughout that. And the same is true with the ease of war. Um, I mean, it definitely felt like you were reading through like, you know, old Testament, new Testament, <laughs> you know, there's certain moments where it's like, you know, he's, he's going, he's, um, like Dante, he's going down into the inferno, and, and here he is at the top of the mountain. It's like, you know, and then, you know, moments of, re- of reflection, and you know, moments of, uh, um, you know, him, him overcoming, and, and and there's so many like these evolved show where you felt like you were just watching a movie play out. Damn, 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 damn. Well, uh, a few final questions before giving you last call. Um, sure. Do you have a? Top three, five Kanye songs. Oh man, you get a. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, top three. Yeah, three. If you can't do three, five. If you can't do five, <laughs> twenty. You know. Yeah. All right, number one. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start with one and work backwards. Okay. Uh, Jesus blocks. That's my number one. Mm. Um, number two, through the wire. Um, number three, number three, uh, black skinhead. Number four, lost in the world. Number five, uh, welcome to heartbreak. Ooh, ooh, that's a that's a well-rounded five. Yeah, you get I the mean, you get the inspirational yay. You get the political yay. You get the the emotional yay yeah i mean yeah welcome to heartbreak is i mean uh, uh, yeah that's one of my favorite songs i i find i actually find myself going bit back to that that track more than all the others because i just think the whole album 808s is underrated and then especially seeing it performed live in more of a uh 
again, a, a narrative setting where it feels like an opera. Um, at the Hollywood Bowl, you understood like the importance of how all the songs were connected and and the through lines and what it meant to him at the time. And I think that was lost just because of all you know all the all the shit that was going on in the media and you know his tour got canceled and he didn't have a chance to really perform that that album in its entirety. It would have been a thing of beauty. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay. Um, and then what was the other? I don't, know. I don't. Usually, it's like favorite album, but you already said Jesus. Um, so I guess then it's just time for the last call. You yeah. just have uh, as much time as you want to just say whatever else you want. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess looking back in retrospect, I mean, it was all an amazing experience, and and uh, it still feels like yesterday just because of, of everything that had happened within that time period. I feel like it was. Within eight years, it was a full two lifetimes condensed. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, uh, just with uh, you know that moment in time and being a being a part part of culture, I think it throws you into this 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 fast track of of you know a creative thought that um, I think being um, outside of outside of that looking in, it's just. Um, yeah, I mean, as a creative, again, it's like I'm trying, I'm trying to speak to all the young designers out there. I mean, if, if your passions are really in music and, and, and entertainment, then put, throwing yourself 100% into that um, world and working with uh, artists or reaching out to artists and being able to work with them in that arena to be a part of culture and kind of move the ball forward. Um, it's uh, no other experience really like it. And uh, I, still, I still feel blessed to this day to have been a part of that. And uh, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever really <laughs> been able to thank Kanye enough. So, um, you know, I, I'd love to. Um, next time I see him, hopefully it'll be soon. Uh, definitely thank him in person. But you know, uh, I think a lot of people have a lot of mixed emotions about, I guess, who he is personally. But you got to take that out of the equation and kind of look at the work and the overall impact. And um, most creatives and and that have been working at that level throughout history. I mean, they've always been considered <laughs> a little eccentric, I guess, to put it nicely. And I don't see how you can have one without the other. I mean, that's what makes somebody special and is able to have a unique voice that, that inspires and, and changes the way we all perceive what we think reality is or what could be done or how, how, um, how, how we can express um, art and visuals and, and audio and uh, music. So, yeah, I just, I, I think uh, overall, I just wish people would, uh, you know, even people that uh, don't listen to Kanye would look, look at him differently under that kind of microscope versus um, the personal side. So I think work, work always speaks louder than words. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.